when I talk about health, this is something I've come to in the last couple years. I used to think of health strictly from a physical perspective. Mm -hmm. I no longer view it that way because that's limiting. That's only part of it. Physical health is a part of health, but it's not the only part. There is emotional health. There is mental health, which again, those two are different. And then, then there is the spiritual side of that as well. All four components make up the totality of one's health. And if you lack in any one of those four areas, you're going to know it and others are going to see it. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Tranquil Turtle Massage. Tracy over there, the founder, she's a small town girl from Montana, loves God, loves her family, loves her friends, loves working out, fishing, and camping. She has a passion for helping those in need and enjoys being creative with woodworking, crocheting, healthy baking, pottery, and cooking. Look, she began her massage journey back in 2010 where she graduated from massage school up in Anchorage, Alaska. She specializes in her signature massages, the Hanu Infusion and the Hanu Ashiatsu, as well as the Gua Sha and Manual Lymphatic Drainage. If you're looking for a massage specialist and someone who could get you feeling good, go see Tracy down at Tranquil Turtle Massage. And while you're there, check out CDA Microblading, offering Coeur best tattoo brows, plasma fibroblast, tightening, and PMU services right there in the heart of downtown Coeur Make sure you book your appointment at pnwmobilemassage.com. John, what's going on? You're a dad, coach, speaker, host of Relationships and Revenue podcast. You're a voiceover guy much, much more. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. I really appreciate being here today. Can't wait to talk with you and to share some nuggets that I think will be helpful to your audience. Come on. I, I love to go back though, to kick things off. Like, tell me about where did you grow up? What was Charlotte like for you? Okay. Uh, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I lived there for about nine years until my folks split. And then my dad and I went to live at Lake of the Ozarks, which is in central Missouri. Uh, my mom stayed in St. Louis. My mom's been there her whole life. Uh, my dad got remarried. We moved to the Kansas City area, and I spent most of my years in various parts of Kansas City. And so my middle school, high school years were all here in Kansas City. Um, I did, let's see, college. I went to a community college for a while, so I crammed two years into three. Okay, nice. <laughs> well, I, I was working full-time and going to school full-time. <laughs> yeah. So... And after I finished there, I went away to school. I uh, went to Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, which is Southwest Missouri. And again, crammed another two years into three. Okay. Down there, um, I eventually met my my then wife. My last year there, her first year. Okay. Nice. And ended up we got. Well, I'm telling the story that you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. No, I love it. <laughs> so Mother's Day '94. Uh, my roommate and my best friend, he, his sister, and three other students died in a car accident on the way back to school. They were they hit a truck head on. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So that happened. Two weeks after that, I graduated, and two weeks after that, I got married. Wow! So those three things happened in one month. Oh my gosh, man, that is insane. What a and, crazy, I had no idea you're going to go. That is crazy, dude. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, the interesting thing is about the first six months I was married, I have no recollection of. Really? Wow. Yeah. I was, I was depressed. I didn't know it at the time, but I sure. was. And there are pictures of things that I did then that I don't remember. So wow. there's proof. 
like yeah. most of my honeymoon, I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I honestly don't. The fog started lifting sometime. We got married in June of '94, and okay. the fog started lifting sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas. The interesting thing is August, I started grad school. Okay. So nearly my entire first semester of grad school, which, by the way, I got all A's in, I don't really remember the first semester. Do you think that was due to like, well, I mean, grieving, I'm sure, but you know, what yeah. was, what was the effect of that? Or you know, what was the cause of all that? Do you think? It had a lot to do with, with my friend and not really processing his death very well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I made the mistake of not going to look at the car. Okay. I should have done that because apparently I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but when I was growing up, one of the big things in school, they were trying to cut down on drunk driving among teenagers. So mad was a big thing, you know, mothers yep. against drunk driving. Totally. And one of the ways they do that is on campuses, they would bring these mangled cars yep. and set them down for kids to see. They would leave them in the parking lots for kids to look at. Yep. Well, apparently his car was mangled like that. Wow. Yeah. Now he was the, the four others, the four other students died on impact. He was driving and he actually didn't die on impact. He made it all the way to the hospital and died on the operating table. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, man. What a crazy story there. Well, I mean, and through the, the school there, uh, you know, you've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years and, and probably, you know, like me started early with smaller things and trying to sell that. But, you know, 20 years ago, there was like legendary entrepreneurs like Jim Rohn, Les Brown, Tony Robbins. Like those guys are the guys that I love to listen to. And, you know, but who are those entrepreneurs that influenced and motivated you back then? And are, has it changed? Is there other people that you follow now? That's a good question. Um, when I first got into being an entrepreneur, I didn't do as much studying probably as I should have of other entrepreneurs because I was so busy in the middle of trying to figure my thing out Yeah, that I wasn't, I didn't have the bandwidth to pay attention to other things that I probably should have been. But since then, over the years, yes, people like Tony Robbins, I have paid attention to, uh, Les Brown, certainly, uh, to a certain extent, someone like John Maxwell. Yes. Although he's, he's not touted as an entrepreneur necessarily. I had kind of an affinity for him, partly from a leadership side of things, but also sure. because I have a ministry background and he has a ministry background. So that's kind of how there's some parallels there. Not that yeah. I'm on John Maxwell's level at all, because right. I am not. <laughs> but that's some of the things that went through my mind. Um, some people since then. Again, some people don't necessarily think of him as an entrepreneur. I do, and that is Craig Rochelle, who happens to be the pastor of the largest church in America, which is called Life Church. Yeah, uh, he, he has a podcast, which is one of my favorites, and I always listen to it because it comes out once a month. It's called the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Okay. And the th one of the things I love about it, besides the fact that he talks about these timeless, amazing leadership and teamwork principles, if you didn't know that he was a pastor and you listened to it, you pretty much would have no clue that he was a pastor because he's fo so focused on leadership and teamwork and saying how that applies to your organization, regardless of the size. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I love about that particular podcast and what he does. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, I love paying attention to other entrepreneurs also who become authors. Mm -hmm. I'm a voracious reader. Yeah. 
It's very important to me. In fact, Eric, when I get a hold of a book, typically what I do is I buy more than one copy. I've kind of made a practice of that because early on I would buy a copy and I, I'm one of those people who gets really excited about the things that he reads. And I tell people, yeah, well, my enthusiasm becomes infectious and other people want to read it. It's like, can I read your book? Sure. Well, what ended up happening is I wouldn't get my books back. Exactly. You know, and I get, <laughs> I get upset about that. And yeah. so I thought, well, let's stop getting upset about that. So I made a promise to myself that, and this was probably seven years ago I started doing this. Okay. I said, I'm going to start buying a minimum of two copies every time. Mm. So I'm going to buy a copy for me and I'm going to buy a copy to give away. I love that. Just That's just what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, now, if it's at all possible, I'm going to get a signed copy. I, I like to get signed copies. It's, sure. It is a thing for me. Okay. It's, it's kind of one of the things I like to collect. I like yep. to get, get books that are signed by the author. Now, personalized is even better if that's possible. Sure. It's not always possible. Yeah. But I like to have them signed. And so if it's possible for me to get that, I really enjoy being able to do that for other people. Give that away, especially if I can get them personalized for someone else. Right, man, that's such a cool thing. I never thought about getting that second book because I do have a lot of people that are, hey, what book are you reading right now? Like, and then I tell them, and oh man, I got to check that out. You know, I just finished a book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day for the second time. Uh, it's mm. by Mark Batterson, and I love that book, nice. man. I read it in two days. That just sucked me in, man. And I'm one of those guys who like when I. I it, I didn't actually start reading until about a year and a half ago. I just kind of was like, ho humming about it. Never like maybe one book a year, two books a year, maybe, you know? And I told myself this year, I was going to just double it up and really start reading like crazy. I think I finished eight books so far this year. Wow. And um, so just trying to like suck in as much information. I've got audible. So I do listen to some books on audio, but then I love to have a hard copy in hand, you know? Um, You know what you might try. And this, this is something that's helpful for me. Is, now, I can't always do this. I have to have the time to do it. But if you have the time, have the hard copy and listen to it. Oh, At the yes. same time, your totally. retention goes up much higher. And if you can handle listening it to one and a half speed, you'll get through the book much faster. Uh, I'm a 2X guy. So Really? See, I can't yeah. do it at 2X because it sounds too much like the chipmunks for me. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I think it was, uh, I was listening to Atomic Habits by James Clear. earlier this year right and Mm -hmm. i love that book it's a great book but it was like a seven hour book and i was like man i don't want to spend two hours so i I just flipped it up to one and a half and i was like i could still handle that and i went up to two it took me a couple minutes for my brain to adjust it but then once it did man i was like boom now i've listened to every book on 2x okay um, and feel like i can take it in at least and not just like you know let it zip by you know um and i try to get my morning my my book reading done in the morning when i wake up and i'm big on morning routines like you and i have talked about it's kind of a non-negotiable for me uh for you what's that morning routine look like that helps you kind of start that day off on a successful foot you know that's interesting that you asked that question because that's something you'll hear a lot of people talk about how important their morning routine is yeah and i have to tell you now this is how my life works right now. Totally. Uh, I, hap- I happen to be an empty nester. So my okay. oldest is away at college and my girls live in a different state than I do. So since I am an empty nester and because I am an entrepreneur, I can set my own schedule. Yes. I am more of a night owl than I am a morning person. Love and it. so the kinds of things you're talking about, I actually do at night. Mm-hmm. I don't do them necessarily right before I go to bed, but I have a routine at night that I do. 
Yes. So I'm going to equate that to the morning routine. It just happens to be the different time of the day. Sure. Oh, yeah. So some yeah. of the things that I do related to that. Yes, I have personal reading that I do. That's called reading for enjoyment. Now, mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who's kind of weird in the sense that the things that I read for enjoyment are the things that also help me in business. Okay, come on. I, I it's just me. I, it's, I'm not much of a fiction person. So for yep. those of you who dig fiction or who write fiction, I am not trying to offend you in any way. It's just, it's not my thing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm very much, I love the, the self-help, self-care, self-improvement genre of writing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly trying to learn things about how to improve myself. Uh, a couple different topics that I read somewhat frequently on neuroscience, stuff with the brain. I love yeah. that stuff. I totally dig that. I just, I nerd out on that stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I mentioned one earlier leadership. I cannot get enough of that. Mm. I, I'm constantly diving into that, figuring out ways to get better. Um, now, it's a little harder to find resources that are written about it, but whether they're written or they're like videos, I do consume things that are related to speaking, gotcha. ways to improve as a speaker. Sure, um, sure. And tied in with that are things that are health-related. Mm -hmm. So I focus a lot on that. I'm trying to take care of my body. You asked part of my process. Exercising is certainly a part of my process that I do. Yeah. I exercise a minimum of four times a week for at least 30 minutes. Come on. So there is cardiovascular and there is weight training in that. Okay. Uh, I'll let you know I am a couple weeks away from my 52nd birthday. So I'm almost 52. Come on, man. So for those Come of on. you who are seeing it, I, I'll get as close to the camera as I can. I mean, there are some wrinkles, but there aren't a lot. You know, I don't Looking look good, brother. I don't look 52. <laughs> I, I don't say that in a bragging way. I just don't. And part of that's because I take care of me. Yeah. Now, part of that is the exercise. You know, I, you didn't ask about this, but I'm sharing it anyway, because it's a yeah. part of me, a part of my journey. Come on. Uh, when, when I talk about health, this is something I've come to in the last couple of years. I used to think of health strictly from a physical perspective. I no longer view it that way because that's limiting. That's only part of it. Physical health is a part of health, but it's not the only part. There is emotional health. There is mental health, which again, those two are different. And then, then there is the spiritual side of that as well. All four components make up the totality of one's health. And if you lack in any one of those four areas, you're going to know it and others are going to see it. Yes. Oh, man. So those are all things yeah. that are part of that. I uh, Journaling is another thing that I do. Yeah. It's a part of my process. Um, sometimes my journaling is physically written down. When possible, I do that. When it's not, I say it into my phone. Oh, yeah, sure. I talk it in, into notes nice. is what I do. Yeah. Um, because it's still me getting it out because that's the purpose of it. The purpose is to get it out. Mm. Um. I also do the same kinds of things when ideas come to me. I try and make sure I have something close to me to either write it down or my phone to be able to say it in there. Yeah. That's oh, I how that. various kinds of ideas either related for me or for somebody else. I mean, I'll tell you, Eric, in the last five years, I've given away a minimum of $10 million worth of ideas. Come on. <laughs> because, because yeah. honestly, and I realize not everybody who's paying attention to your podcast necessarily looks at life or thinks of things like I do. But what you all need to understand is I am a Jesus follower. I don't apologize for that. That is who I am. Me too. Absolutely. And so God speaks to me 
on a regular basis and in a variety of ways. But one of the ways that God talks to me is he gives me these ideas for businesses. My job is to be a conduit, and that's it. Mm. My job is to take the idea, disseminate it, decide, is this for me, or am I supposed to give this away? Most of the time, I give them away. Uh, And that's what I'm supposed to do with them. And my job ends there. Mm. Now, that I had to learn. I didn't understand that at first, because I would get upset if I would give an idea to someone and they didn't do something with it. And I began to realize that's not your job. Sure. Yep. Your job is just to, I think of it in those ideas like a, uh, if you're in a track meet in a relay. Mm-hmm. So you're just handing off the baton. Yep. That's all you're doing. I'm so on. my job is to hand off the baton to the next person. I love that. You know, in, in part of being an entrepreneur, you and I have had conversation about this, like we're both dads, you know, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love being an entrepreneur and a dad and my kids get to see stuff and they've taught me so much. But for you, and I know you mentioned that you're an empty nester, but what is something that your kids have taught you that you've been able to implement as an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Let's see. Um, I guess one of the things that my kids have taught me is how important it is to be present in the moment. Mm. Yes. I love that. Now, initially that came in relationship to them uh, about how important it is to turn off entrepreneur John and to turn back on dad Mm -hmm. in certain points. That's like, I have to let this go. I have to not pay attention to the phone. I have to not listen to that stuff. I have to not pick it up and to be solely focused on them and what they need and what they're going through to be present with them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, folks, one of the best things that you can do Anytime you're with your family, uh, if you're married, guys, hand your phone to your spouse. Just hand it off. If you're going out to eat, give it to her, let her put it in the purse. Now turn it off first and then give it to her. That way it's off, off. And nobody's reaching you during that time. That way you can be fully present in the moment and enjoy that time together. That's a huge one. And that's something that I have taken into my business so that I can do that for clients and potential clients. You know, one Love of the that. things that potential clients, I think, over the years have appreciated about me the most is that I, I treat them with respect, and I also try to treat them how I want to be treated in this way, Eric. Yes. What happens many times is I will deal with potential clients, and I'll hear them telling me their story. Because as you know, any, any entrepreneur who's worth anything knows that what they have, their service, their product, isn't for everybody. And you have to know that. And so you should be able to tell pretty quickly in a conversation with someone, because I can, that what you need is not what I have. And I will tell people that. It's like, you know, I don't think we're a good fit here, whether that's coaching or if they're looking for me to come and do a speaking engagement, whatever it happens to be. But I never leave them there. That's the key point. Mm. I don't sell them something they don't need. I mean, I could, honestly, many sure. times, Eric. I could I could be the speaker. I could be the coach for them. I could make the money if that's all I cared about. But I don't. I care about relationships and helping people. And because I do, and I want what's best for those folks, it's like, look, I'm not the right fit for you. But guess what? 
I'm going to give you two names. These are two people I know that I think would be great. Here's their contact information. I'll even go so far as to let them know you're going to be calling. Mm. Now, whether they call or not, again, not up to me. Sure. I've done my job at that point. Yep. But what I feel like I'm doing is it, it makes me feel better about the situation. And I feel like I'm serving them well because I didn't just leave them there. Because I've been left there before by people who have said, I can't help you. And then it ended. The conversation was over. It's like, what do I do now? Right. <laughs> wow. Gotcha. <laughs> I love that you do that, though, because a lot of people they say, I'm not going to help you or, you know, I can't help you with this. And then just kind of let the client be. And I right. think what they need to realize is I, I'm so big on that, too, is relationships, right? Like if I hand them off to somebody, they're going to remember that moment. They're going to come back to me if I need it, you know, if they need my services again. Right. I love that, man. And I also am such a big like lover of podcasts, right? Like, you know, and, and when it comes to clients and I love hearing people's stories and things like that, and you've got an awesome podcast called relationships and revenue. Uh, I love their show, man. It's freaking awesome. You got great guests coming on your show. What is it about podcasting that you like and how has it helped you in your business? Oh goodness. Well, first I'll say my podcast was probably, I started it three years after I should have. Okay. <laughs> we I always feel that way as podcasters. <laughs> long before I started it. Sure. Um, but I started it, you know, like right at toward the beginning of the pandemic is when okay. it started. And not because it was a pandemic. It just, that was the timing of it. But, sure. Um, you know, the reason I started the podcast, it originally comes from a place of pain, mm -hmm. honestly. Uh, the pain I'm talking about is my divorce. Uh, I was divorced April 1st, 2010. So for those of you listening at home, you heard that correctly. I was the April fool that day. I can promise you that. But I knew because of that divorce, there were some things I needed to work on that I needed to get better at for me, that if I wanted any shot at any kind of relationship with another woman in the future, there were things I needed to work on. So I did. I started doing that. I started getting better at it. And I started realizing that my pain wasn't just for me. My pain was actually for other people because there was a purpose to my pain. My purpose was to help other people. Ultimately, one of the platforms that I use for that is the podcast. So pain leads to purpose, which leads to platform. So that's what I've done with it. So in relationships and revenue, initially the goal with the podcast was to help men get better at their most significant relationships at home so they could in turn be better in their business relationships. Because that's one of the major areas where I screwed up. And I honestly, I don't want to see another guy get divorced. Yeah. Because Eric, my divorce was preventable. It was. Mm. Yeah. And most are. Yep. The problem with most of us as men, when we begin to realize something's wrong, we're on a train. The train's been going along for a long time. We're getting ready to go over the Royal Gorge. The problem is that a third of the way over the Royal Gorge, the rest of the bridge is gone, but we can't see that. We figure it out when we see that it's gone on the edge. One of the great things, I guess, as a result of me going through that is I have the eyes to see that now. 
Sure. I can see that for other guys, what's going on with them in their lives, in their relationships. And I can see things that they can't because I remember what it was like when I couldn't. Man, that is so unbelievable. And uh, it's so good because there's, I know a lot of men, you know, guys that I grew up with, people that I've known for 20 plus years, uh, they've both gone through multiple marriages and divorces now, you know, and, and I know that they could have been preventable had they had different things or different tweaks or, you know, in the relationship. Uh, man, that's so true that I think, you know, my wife and I were celebrating 17 years this year in 2022, man. Yay. And, um, it, it's been a fun journey. Not every day is rainbows and sunshine, man, but you oh, know, not. You, you work through that and <laughs> You know, and so it's just, it's one of those things, man. And, and I think we're just in a really good spot right now and it's a good year and man, we're, we're excited about what this year is going to bring. I, I love to finish my show off with some fun questions, okay. um, but I'm a big music guy. So I love to ask the question, like, what's a favorite <laughs> band for you? Who do you like to listen to? Oh goodness. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners will know this band, but uh, Striper is probably Come my on. favorite band. Yes. Oh Yeah. They've Come been going on. for over 30 years, folks. Yes. Actually, closer to 40 now, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And actually, they have a new album coming out this year. It's so good to see these bands popping back in, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, my dad has seen them live many times. I mm -hmm. saw the lead singer uh, play an acoustic set one time as a kid. My dad took me to see him in a Bible nice. bookstore. Michael Sweet is his name. Michael Sweet, yes. yes. And uh, I remember it was an outside, like, covered tent area, and it was cool yeah. just to see him do an acoustic set there, oh, yeah. just a solo show. Oh, uh, for but, sure. No, that's awesome, man. I, yeah, I haven't heard Striper name for a long time, man. Those guys are so good. Yeah, I've <laughs> actually had his lead guitarist, Oz Fox, and his wife, Annie Lobert, on my show. Come on. That is yeah. amazing. That is mm -hmm. amazing. John, I love what you're doing, man. You are changing lives. And man, it's such an honor to have you on my show. And, I, and I'm honored to call you friend. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day and joining me on the show, man. Truly an honor. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Eric, for asking me to be here. I can't begin to tell you what a privilege it is for me to be here. I don't take this lightly at all. Um, I will say this to your folks out there. You have a gem and a host here in Eric. Uh, I hope you don't take that lightly. And what he does is tremendous. If there's anything that I can do to help you or to help your audience to serve you all in any way, please feel free to reach out to me. I can promise you, if you DM me on social media, I am the one who responds to it. Not someone else, not a bot. It's me. Yeah. So I'll be more than happy to reach out and help you in any way that I can. Or if I can't help you, I bet I know someone who can. Awesome. And where's the best place that folks can get a hold of you? Where should you, where do you prefer them to okay. contact you at? Um, I, you guys can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Those are all the best places to find me. And okay. typically I'm just at John Hewlin. That's H U L E N. I'm very easy to find. Perfect. Uh, and if you can't find me that way, find Eric, scroll his friends and you'll find me there. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. John, again, thank you for your time, man. Really appreciate it, man. Truly an honor, man. Okay. Hey, thank, thank you so you. much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to take a listen or watch. It's truly an honor to be able to speak with such amazing guests, and I hope that they've made an impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. And you can do me one big favor. That would be huge. Click that subscribe button, and then second favor, hit that share button. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Keep changing the world. I believe in you.